You guys, I have some very exciting news to share. This year marks the 10th anniversary of Leah Yard Designs. I registered my jewelry brand a decade ago, and I remember it very well. Most of it was done sitting on our apartment floor, finalizing paperwork, and trying to figure out how on earth I was going to build a brand as a high school dropout with zero experience and no money. If you've been with me on this journey, then you know it's been one hell of a ride. There have been a million mistakes along the way, so much so that I ended up starting this exact podcast you are listening to just to confess my many, many failures. It is wild to me to think it's been a decade, and this milestone is something I really want to celebrate with you. We are hosting an anniversary event at our Vancouver studio on July 22nd from 12 to 5 p.m. We are designing an exclusive collection with one-of-a-kind designs. There will be light refreshments available, and we've got a couple other amazing local brands joining us. You can follow the link in our show notes for more details or head to our website, www.leayarddesigns.com, and you can sign up as a VIP member there, and that way you will always be the first to know what's going on, and you'll get the first peek at what we have planned for this very exciting event. I cannot wait to see you and celebrate a milestone I am so proud to have reached. Welcome to the Voted Least Likely Podcast. I am your host, Leah Yard. I'm a high school dropout who accidentally became an entrepreneur. After spending over a decade working minimum wage jobs, having a complete mental breakdown, and losing all confidence in myself, I somehow started a successful jewelry company. I am the least likely person to have ended up in the fashion industry, the least likely person to have overcome crippling anxiety, and the least likely person to have ever had the confidence to share my story. And I know if you are here, you've likely felt something similar. This piece of internet real estate is a place for us to share how we overcame our own obstacles and found a place to thrive, even if it was the last place we ever thought we would end up. We are talking all things related to failure with a little sense of humor on the side. It's time to expose the narratives we tell ourselves and the ones the world places on us. This is the Voted Least Likely Podcast. Welcome, Alana, to the podcast. I am so thrilled to have you here. If you could just give everybody a little intro on who you are and what it is that you do. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today, Leah. Um, my name is Alana Rosso, and I am a career coach and also a graphic design and branding expert, kind of an interesting combination. I'm in Toronto, Canada, and I have a background that really started in that design world about um, over 20 years. Loved design, kind of went into it. Wasn't everything I expected it to be. Had some tough times, some really great times. It was the best of times, worst of times, crying in the car sometimes, sometimes winning awards, the whole, the whole gamut. Um, but I'm a creative at heart. So I've been doing and creating um, since I was just, you know, just <clears throat> a tiny little child, just making things all the time. So I'm a creative at heart, um, but I've always really loved personal development work and kind of went through some challenges, um, especially in my teens and 20s that kind of made me delve into personal development work, looked at coaching, started hiring coaches. And then about eight years ago, decided to really dive into coaching and become a coach, a certified coach and do all the trainings. I feel like I was already in that space. People were always coming to me with questions. Um, and then I really, so I loved it. And then started going down the career, specifically the career coach route, because partly because I had had such a wacky career. Um, it was not linear to say the least. I moved all over the like different, like, different companies, sometimes full-time, sometimes an entrepreneur, sometimes a combination. Um, so I was always helping people with their careers and had this weird ability to, to create resumes and, you know, market yourself. And the branding experience came in because when we're looking for a job, we're really essentially branding ourselves, putting ourselves out there. And I also knew how to work with entrepreneurs. So again, it was a hybrid of knowing how to work with both worlds. So I've kind of combined everything together and that leads me to where I am now. I, I really love to work with people who are struggling with unfulfilled potential. That's kind of what I'm really 
interested in partly because that's what I struggled with. And so I like to say I help people move their career from vanilla success to spectacular triumph um, because it's kind of going from that, like everything's okay, but I know it can be way, way better. Oh my God. I love that. There is so much to dive into there. I just want to say, first off, I got chills all over my body when you said um, working with people who have unfulfilled potential. Mm -hmm. Is that what it was? Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that because we're always in our own ways all the time. And especially when you're in it. So unless you have somebody kind of there to see objectively what the hell you're doing, (laughs) right? You just don't know. You don't know. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. I also love that you, um, this career kind of came because you were mm-hmm. already doing the work before yeah. it became a job. Yes. I'd love for you to dive into that a little more. Like just how, was it friends and family that were coming to you? Was it potential clients? Was it just people? Cause it just sounds like it was sort of this shift and that things just kind of started to line up for you without you making the conscious decision to turn it into a career yet. Yeah, that's like, yeah, that is really true, actually. And that is like for anyone who is kind of struggling with their career, you really do have to look at what comes naturally to you. And it's actually hard to see because it's so natural that you don't even notice it. So part of my job as a career coach is to actually pull that out of people, just like help them to see that. And so I had to do that myself, too. It was one of those things where I think one day I remember a very conscious moment where my email at the exact same time I had my phone, my landline ringing. Yes, I still have a landline, my cell phone going, and my email was all coming in with people asking for career help. And it was, I I had just started coaching and um, it just was like, I knew I was that person because I'm incredibly resourceful. So that's one thing that I think I've always had and always I can always find a solution and I I really just, I don't really care about those closed doors. And I think if you're an entrepreneur, you have to get really resourceful and just like, there's always an opportunity and there's always a workaround. I also think creatives are amazing at that. And I think graphic designers are really good at that. We can, the joke is in the graphic design community, we can make something out of nothing. Like that's kind of the running thing. It was like, they give us nothing, no creative wreath, no nothing. And we create something from it. So yeah, I just started noticing and I really loved doing, and it was coming easily to me. And I have a really, I had like a high success rate personally of being able to get different jobs and, and get called for interviews. And so I was putting everything together, but yeah, I started to notice what was coming to me kind of easily. I love that. And yeah, I, that's something, um, my story is obviously I'm a high school dropout. I have no formal training. So somebody like you having you in my network is so wonderful because I don't see those things that I'm maybe good at because I don't have that piece of paper to back it up to say, look, I am good at it. I went yes. to a place that told me I was good at it. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> you know? and yes. Do you know how many people I speak to that don't have a high school diploma that are like have these huge careers, like huge careers, like, <laughs> yeah. cause I do a career coaching and they still, they've had these amazing careers and they still will go back. Well, you know, they have, there's like a bit of shame still there, but like not having it. And I'm like, wow, like they're so accomplished. And like, at this point you, you, you start to wonder like, what does it matter? But then I, I get it. It's just, but it's so interesting to think how we we're always so conscious of our shortcomings. I think that's yes. what it is. We're so conscious of it what we, or our perceived shortcomings, sorry, perceived. It's perceived. It's not actually shortcoming. Totally. And those little pieces of paper that we think have so much value and, and it's hard to, because then I also have um, people in the industry who have done the work and gone to school and have that piece of paper and they're really proud of it and Mm -hmm. as they Mm -hmm. should be. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of has two sides to it. I I feel like there is, but yeah, there is that when you said shame, that's definitely, I, I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. If sometimes you're in rooms with other people and it's that mm-hmm. imposter syndrome that mm-hmm. you just feel like is really like you've been found out yes, <laughs> and everybody's and looking that, at you. <laughs> yeah. And the imposter syndrome really sets in for so many people because they think there is this ideal that they're supposed to live up to, that it has to be this one way. So it's like this idea that an entrepreneur has to have a degree and has to have this background and has to come from this kind of experience or family or have this behind them. And we are literally just making up these parameters as to what an entrepreneur should be. It really can be anybody, (laughs) anybody who wants to build something or create something, then you can call yourself an entrepreneur. 
hundred percent. I'm curious with your coaching, just because that's mm-hmm. you really putting yourself out there. Yeah. How did you manage imposter syndrome? Did you feel yeah. it? And how did you manage it? Yeah, absolutely. In the beginning, it was really hard, partly because I had identified so long with being a designer. So it was mm-hmm. like, I mean, I started getting paid to do design work at 15 years old and started in high school, did a graphic design program within high school. But so by the time I got to design school, college, I'd really had like a mini career. So it was a huge, like it just defined me. And I didn't like that it defined me because I kept thinking I'm so much more. And then I would go into like rebellious mode. It's like, I don't want to do design. I I like, I felt I'm sure it's like an actor who gets cast over and over for the same role, that kind of feeling. That's kind of what I would liken it to. And you're like, I can do so much more. So Definitely. When I started going to coaching, I was like, who's going to really see me as a coach? Like, especially in your immediate community, like, wow, that's kind of weird that she's doing that. Or I'm sure maybe some people thought it made sense, but especially those whose resumes I had helped them with, but I was so self-conscious of it in the beginning. Absolutely. And do you still, are there still moments where you feel like, shit, I'm going to be found out? Or is it you just found now that you have a foundation that you can kind of fall back on? Yeah, I feel like you're right. I feel like the foundation's there. I think I've done it a long enough. I do think you do. You need to put in a certain amount of hours. Like I kind of, to, to feel like you are, you know, an expert who's still learning in your field. So I feel like there was a point where I had put in enough hours that I, and had enough experiences and had helped enough people. However, I still have some coaching sessions that don't go well and they throw me off. Like I had one about three weeks ago and I was like, that was just not a great session. Like it just didn't, I felt like we weren't making the progress we could have in the session. But then a couple of weeks later we had another one and it was like, it all kind of clicked. So it's like trusting the process. And I was like, so I don't know when you're designing, I also liken it designing. You go through the process where everything looks ugly. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, this is not coming together and it's messy. And then it does come together one day. And I've really tried to adapt and adopt that, that process to coaching and kind of treat it like it's a creative process. Good for you. And that's also having put those hours in, you know, that it'll work out in the end. Like it is yeah. just having that faith. You can't have that faith unless you've proven to yourself that you're going to show up. I think yeah. too. And it's okay if the session is crap, like that's not the expectation, of course, but I, you know, we're human and this is the way it's going to be. And so I really try to not judge myself and do do too hard, criticize myself too harshly. Good for you. That's yeah. That's something I think everybody struggles with, especially when you're again, putting yourself out there. And um, once you are an expert in your field, there is that. Um, bar that you have to live mm-hmm, up to. And mm-hmm, then we mm-hmm. pile on way more pressure than we need <laughs> and make it way harder. Absolutely. Yeah. But from the yeah. outside, you know, it, it doesn't look like it, but in, on yeah. the inside, it just feels like an immense amount of, of pressure. So good for you to just recognize yeah. it. And yeah, it's people's yeah. lives. So you do want to like, there is, you feel you really want to be of service and you really want to like people go into coaching just for that reason. They really want to help people. Like there's yeah. that common denominator. So it, you you definitely, there's the pressure is there just wanting to help people. Yeah. I love that. What are, if you can think of any off the top of your head, some of the challenges you had when you were first starting your coaching career, just because it is such a shift from graphic design mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. that. Was there anything that was maybe a surprising challenge that you didn't see coming? Yes. Um, there are a lot of people who don't value and appreciate coaching. And again, this is why my creative career was so helpful. There are so many people out there who don't value and appreciate um, great design or great branding or a really top tier graphic designer working for them. You know, they're happy to hire their cousin Vinny, which is cool. Go hire your cousin Vinny, but I'm I'm not your cousin Vinny. So there was a little bit of like, re like reliving that experience of oh wow like not everyone's going to appreciate this not everyone's going to be drawn to it um so that shook me up a little bit and I and I have one good friend who just thinks I think I think I'm assuming a little bit but she thinks coaching is kind of dumb so (laughs) like she doesn't value it she doesn't want to talk about it I think there's a lot going on there but 
um, that's her, it's her thing. Right. Yeah. So, um, that, that shook me up a little bit for sure. When I was starting. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is, that is so hard. Cause you don't know until you jump in. Right. And then you start to see everybody's reaction to what you're doing. And, yeah. and it's really hard, especially in the beginning. Cause that's when you're trying to almost, even if you know, you want to do it, there is still part of you that has to convince yourself that you should do it yes. right. Because it's not easy. It's not yeah. easy. Yeah. 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 There's that meant the mindset game is, is real. Yes, it's very real and so yeah. ongoing. Like, I feel like you never yeah. le- reach that level where it's yeah. like, oh, okay, now I got this. Like, I feel like it's constant progress and constant yeah. talking yourself off the ledge. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Did you get any advice when you were starting, it, good or bad? Is there something that you can remember when you were first out the gate? Um, for coaching or for any entrepreneurial venture? Um, I said for, like, for coaching, for I'd be, coaching, I'd be curious. About. Um, I think in the coaching world, they have a lot of, um, not rules and regulation. Sorry. There's, um, a lot of like, um, ideas as to how you're supposed to build your coaching business. Like there's mm-hmm. like, there's, and there's like serious trends with it. It's like you high ticket coaching packages or this or a membership or like, right. there are a lot of, you need to do it this way, follow this system. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I start hearing the word system, I actually get a little anxious because I don't really like the idea that one system works for everybody to me is just like ridiculous. So I think I, I think I got led down some paths in the beginning about how I should do my business in terms of how I should be pricing it or how I should go into the niche. So I was really listening to a lot of other people's advice and thoughts on that, which is totally fine because I was figuring it out as I went along, but I knew some of it wasn't resonating and it fell flat. It just wasn't working. So I think that was something that I wish I had spent a little bit more time doing a deeper dive onto what was going to work for me and maybe looked at more options, talked to more coaches, done a little bit more due diligence would have been helpful. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know is a thing, right? And it's so, it's so hard, Yeah. but I feel like you're a very intuitive person. So yeah. I'm glad that you leaned into that. But at the very beginning, it's really hard to lean in if you're not sure, because it's even if you're intuitive, it's hard to know. Oh, does because this... there's the fear. Yeah, so totally. Like discerning what's the fear and what's the what's your gut saying no. So I always like to say, like, checking in with your gut is the ultimate due diligence. So for me, I'm like definitely a gut check person, definitely intuitive, as you said. That's how I tap into everything. But there's sometimes when you're like, okay, is this just the fear telling me not to do something because it's out of mm-hmm. my comfort zone or is my gut really saying no? And so the way that I personally now discern the two is if it's um, my gut saying no, there's this immediate heaviness and a kind of ick factor. But if it's fear, there is first a glimmer of excitement and joy. And then oh. the fear sets in. Okay. So there's a little like microsecond where I'm like, oh no, that, that feels good. But oh my gosh, that's so scary. I don't know if I can do that. How's that going to work? But if it's an exact gut check, no, I'm just going to feel gross right from the beginning. So that I've had to really tune into and hone as I've gone through the process. And I think that's great for, it's important for every entrepreneur to do that. Yeah. Especially, I mean, we're not taught to do that. I think some people are maybe a little more intuitive than others, and Mm -hmm. maybe they've grown up in a household where that's celebrated, but I grew up in a very black and white household. Like it was, there was no, there was no intuitive discussion Mm -hmm. and like something Mm -hmm. not feeling good. That just wasn't a a conversation. And so I definitely find now that, and that's something I'm glad you said that about that little glimmer of joy, because I have to do that all the time. Cause I get, I have a no response to a lot of things. (laughs) But it's like, why do I have that no response? And just that, you know, little bit of recognition and self-awareness of like, what is that? Is that no, because I'm scared or is that no, because it's, yeah, it's not right. It's not aligned. It's not, it's not going to progress me in any way. Um, Yeah. And it can be what's right for someone is not right for you. Right. And the other thing I'm trying right now is because I've had some big decisions. I was making some hard decisions lately and I was really struggling with them. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep saying yes until it's a no. So this was something I kind of tried. I was like, if I don't know it's a no right off the bat, then I'm just going to say no. And at some point, I'm sorry, I'm going to say yes. At some point, 
it'll either just stay the yeses and I'm like really excited did it, or I'm just going to then at some point say no and back out. And that's totally fine for me to back out. Now it's harder if it's a decision, like I'm moving to Australia and that's, I say yes to that. And like, I've, but I'm talking about more like collaborations, whether I should do or sell a different kind of product, something a little smaller. So I was like, I'm just going to keep trying it and saying yes to the next step in front of me. And then when it really doesn't feel right, then I'm just going to pull back. And then it's definitely a no. And it just may, maybe it's taking me longer to get to that. No. That's so refreshing to hear because oftentimes people are so scared to make the decision because they're worried that what if I say, like, what if I make the decision? And like you say, as long as it's something that, you know, isn't like moving across the world, yeah. you know, if I make this decision, what's the worst that can happen kind of thing. And sometimes people just get so paralyzed by that yeah. concept, but yeah. you can always go back on a decision. Like no one's tied. Like you can change your mind at any time. You can change your mind, you know, and it's like, and it worked and in, in, in career coaching, it was like a lot of times I'm working people, helping people through whether to take a job or not. So if they're really struggling with it, I was like, okay, let's imagine if you take it, like what, and a month from now you really hate it. Like what's the worst that's going to happen? So we walk through that. And if it's, you're an entrepreneur and you're decided to start something and it doesn't, you know, you, you worried it's going to fail. I mean, what's the worst part of that? I walk through that. Like what really is the harm of saying the yeses? And then just turn around and give it a big, big fat no, if you feel like it's totally. really not cool, it's not working for you. So yeah, you're right. We have a lot of, we have a lot of autonomy over stepping away from something that we forget yeah. about. I know. It's like, we think that someone else has to give us permission for things. And, you know, it, it really is up to you if you don't want to do it anymore. If there's other people involved, of course, there's more steps going to be sure in yeah. place, but yeah. you know, it, it, we're really designing our own lives. And, mm-hmm. and I'm saying this as somebody who I do that too. If I have a decision, it, it is hard, right? Cause you're thinking of all the ways it could go wrong. What if it's something that's public and people are going to see this? And then what if I go back on it? And then people have seen me flip flop and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I you know. can, we're evolving creatures. Like we, yeah. <laughs> and we get it wrong and we, we just screw up. And I know, yep. I think that's what I love is that you share a lot of those stories about things you've done in your professional career that maybe decisions didn't work out as you thought they would. Yeah. But at the, you know, looking back, I'm sure you realize you see the value in making oh. that quote unquote wrong decision. Totally. And it's just, it really allows, because again, that permission piece, it really allows other people to feel okay to make a mistake yeah. because it's like, yeah, we're all figuring it out. Nobody really knows what they're doing. <laughs> Literally no one knows what they're doing. That's the other thing that like when it comes to imposter syndrome that I'm always reminding people is that, um, you know, I kind of have the privilege of talking to a lot of people now who they're not just in the creative world, but they have PhDs or they have this, they built this, like some people have so many degrees. I can't, I can't even keep track. And they're still so worried about how they're seen, what they're doing, making a wrong decision. Mm. They don't feel they know enough. And it's like, I'm, you know, you sit there, if you think you don't know enough, like, I mean, I don't know, the rest of us are all really, you know, what does that mean? So I just don't think anybody knows what they're doing. And I think that's amazing, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And it's as soon as I realized that and started seeing other people, it was like, oh my God, you guys, this is like a game. We're all just kind of playing. We're all just playing along. Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. And there's some situations you of course have to fake it a little more than others, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, I'm, I'm very a firm believer in vulnerability and, you know, admitting when you don't know. And yes, when you're in a position where you have to be an expert, of course, you're going to share what you know, but it's also okay to just say, I'm not sure, or, you know, cause it, it's nothing is more humanizing than that is just yeah. admitting that I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> no. And I think if and I love that use the word humanizing, I really, what I love about the podcast world is I feel like the podcast world and like exactly what you're doing humanizes all of the, all of these experiences. Yes. Yeah. And I, we're craving it so badly and we need it so much. Um, and it feels like this safe space that people can kind of really, you know, be vulnerable and be transparent. And so just, I, I really appreciate that. I, I love it as well. And it, it kind of levels the playing field too, because it, you can hear in someone's voice mm-hmm. when they are being genuine, like you, you can mm-hmm. hear it. Some people are, can fake it, but for the most part, if you have a conversation with somebody, you can hear, you know, yeah. what their intention is. They're a real person. And yeah. I just, I love that. And yeah, our threshold for BS is just 
(laughs) (laughs) It's just been changed so much since Instagram and everything, right? Like we just, we don't have time for it anymore. And I think I love that because for years I tried to show up perfectly online, Mm. um, but it was so unaligned with myself and what I believed and who I am. And Yeah, I I burnt out on trying to get perfect little squares all in a row on Instagram. Oh yeah, I gave up on that too. I, I'm a big fan of the um, the done is better than perfect idea. Yes, you know. Yes. So I I and listen, every graphic designer is a, is wired for perfection, right? Because we live by the grid. We like literally we design yes. by a grid a lot of the time. We're just like visually compel like we're just compelled by things visual. So when you give up on the grid and you're like, oh like and the and the small details like it's so liberating it's so liberating yeah 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 what are some of if you can share some of the goals you have planned for yourself either business or personal yeah so it's it's been a it's gonna be a busy year I'm excited so I have kind of two things on the agenda one is I just did like a live group coaching program for graphic designers, like a six week intensive, which was really interesting to do. And I want to build that out into a DIY course that people can do to kind of reach more people. So doing an online course, like a self-study online course has been one of my longtime goals. And I wasn't sure of what the need, like how it was going to look. And then this program just kind of presented itself or I I created it and worked with the design association in Canada to, to kind of get it going. And so I really want to just bring that out to people. And I, the goal is that they can learn from a lot of my mistakes, all the screw ups that I did. Let's, you know, hopefully help them avoid that and then help them <laughs> yeah. you know, with their portfolios, all those things. So really do that. And then the second thing on the, the big, hairy, audacious goal list, the, the BHAG list is yeah. also to do a podcast. So that's been <gasps> going in my head for a while. Oh, and amazing. we'll see. Um, it has a name. It has a name. I already registered the URL. So one day I just was like, let's, we're going for it, but it has, it's percolating still. So the goal is for the fall for that to come out. Amazing. Congratulations. Oh, I cannot wait to tune in. It's going to be excellent. Is it going to be um, more about personal development, that kind of thing? I think it's going to be coaching and personal development, but definitely also we're like, like a little bit more niche towards the creative mind. I think like Cause that's been my wheelhouse, but to be honest, anyone who is again in that unfulfilled potential, like spinning their wheels, um, it's like that feeling of when, you know, you can do better, but you just don't, you can't, you don't do it or like yeah. you feel stuck. So, um, we will see how that I'm kind of fleshing out the concept, but I, I, yeah, like you, I really just want to help. It's like, like kind of pull the veil away from yeah. this shiny polished exterior that is presented to the world I am so here for that (laughs) (laughs) just like yeah a hundred percent that's phenomenal um I'm curious the personal development that personal development is new for me like in the Mm -hmm. last few Mm -hmm. years um and I'm curious you kind of mentioned that you got into it when you were a little bit younger can you Mm -hmm. kind of talk a little bit about that and how how that kind of came to be (sighs) It came to be because I was really struggling. So I had a real addiction to struggle. Mm. I mean, I loved struggle more than some people love chocolate cake. I just really, (laughs) I grew up in a pretty um, tumultuous household. So I describe it as there was a lot of conflict and combat. So I mean like emotional and verbal combat. So it was really stressful. My parents took a good 15 years to divorce So it was a really long from five to 20, like a really long, difficult time. So I was starting to experience anxiety and stress and I was just living in chaos. And then both my parents were also immigrants who had to really struggle when they came to Canada and built an incredible life for me and my sister. But I was very much immersed in everything has to be a struggle. Um, A state of stress was my natural state. Mm. So I was constantly stressed. I was overworking, complete perfectionist, complete people pleaser. Um, Usually it culminated in me being completely exhausted and getting a migraine. And literally then I would barf my guts out, go to hospital because I was dehydrated and my emotions just couldn't, I couldn't regulate my emotions at all. I would say I'm really good now at regulating my emotions, which has been a long time coming. So I started looking at everything to, I started with therapy to try and get myself through the process of dealing with the parents' divorce, 
my sister's eight years older than me. So she was really living her own life. Like she was off doing her own thing. And it's interesting, anyone who has a big age difference between your siblings. So once there's more than five years, five years or more between siblings, you actually operate as um, only children. Oh, interesting. You take on all the characteristics of an only child. So that was something really interesting. And I was sort of just doing my own thing, trying to figure life out, got really challenging when I got to college. I had my first panic, full on panic attack at school, at college when I was 19. So I remember that. So things were really hard. Um, I, I have a very like sensitive reactive body that takes on other people's emotions. I'm very much an empath. And I had no idea that I was taking on other people's crap and living in this household with all this crap and just like literally a sponge absorbing it. So then my body was just like, we've had enough. So then I started, yeah, therapy was like kind of the first leg of my, um, my route to try and get myself, um, better. And then I, you know, the, the, the nineties or the early two thousands was diving into the personal development books. And I just started reading it because I just kept thinking there has to be a different way. Yeah. There has to be more to this. And like, I was tired of feeling crappy. And by the time I got to my thirties, I was like really over it. I feel like that's when the most of my healing really started to change is in my thirties. And I'd had a lot, a long, a, a good career behind me and I'd had experiences and, I was really over feeling like crap, both beating myself up emotionally, feeling insecure, working too hard. I just was like, this isn't working. So yeah, that's what got me down into personal development work. Good for you. That's, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that and being vulnerable. Cause that's um, a lot of people I think go through that. And that sense of I've had enough, like that breaking point of like, I I can't do this anymore, you know, and something's got to give. I'm so impressed that you were able to choose personal development in that moment because a lot of people can't make that choice. So good for you. I'm almost (laughs) going to thank my mom. She was one of those we had like a super tumultuous relationship, like very challenging, mm-hmm. but she, she definitely, I grew up watching Oprah in the background and Oh, I love that. Phil, Phil yeah. Donahue and all the things. Um, she was a yoga teacher when no one else was a yoga teacher. Like that was when it was weird to do that. Um, so I suppose I was somewhat exposed to things that were not were that personal world or weren't part of like just traditional you know, healing. So, um, yeah. I appreciate that. There's a lot I appreciate now that I learned from my mom that I didn't back then. That's for sure. And, uh, yeah, I think there's just, if you have, if you're an entrepreneur too, you have a tenacity in you that will, whether it's a personal issue or a business issue, you're going to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> do you, yeah. Do, you, do you feel that sometimes that you just like, yeah. Oh, I'm going to solve this and I'm going to do this. I, and I feel it's one of those things, especially with personal development, like I'm, I feel like business is personal development 101. Yes. <laughs> you can't, I would not be able to have a conversation with who I was 10 years ago now. Like I just, yeah. I'm so grateful for everything yeah. that I've had to build and overcome, but it really kicks you in the face. Like yeah. <laughs> you really yeah. learn right away where your flaws are or shortcomings yeah. and yeah. you have to deal with your shit because mm-hmm. you can't, if you're building something and face and trying to create community and all that, mm-hmm. you gotta have yourself sorted to some extent, at least. I mean, yeah. we're all works oh in progress, gosh. but yeah, I, I've had a... multiple, like, you know, I had the one, like definitely those moments where I knew I had to fix, like not fix myself. So I hate using that word. Cause it's just like evolving, but, um, we have multiple, you know, rock bottoms as we're going through yes. things. Right. Yes. So yes. I, I, ha- yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's a process. Yeah. And I think that's what makes you such a great coach for people because you have gone through those struggles. And so you can understand and meet them where they're at. Because, you know, if somebody's going through something and they're not sure, like something like a career change, which that's huge. And that's going to be a very triggering thing, right? For people, like it's the emotional, um, the emotional toll of career stress and transition. And so one of the things I do specifically, Um, with one organization is outplacement coaching, which is when someone's lost a job due to a a, a layoff or even performance, they get career coaching as part of their severance, like as their parting package. So I'm actually working with people who have so lost their job. So this is part of what I do, which is a very specific niche of coaching where you're literally talking to someone who potentially just lost the job that they loved like four days earlier. 
Oh my God. So you have to have a huge emotional bandwidth and empathy for it. And I think definitely having been through so many career changes and transitions, it's really helpful. And, but what it's just brought so much light to is like how connected we are to what we do for a living. And it's not in a bad way. It's just when we go through any career transition, there can be all the emotions of that you can be in a personal relationship ending. So the grief, the anger, the frustration, the betrayal, the, um, the insecurities, like all of that comes up. It's, it's, it's not just ever about a job or a career. It's so much more. This show is sponsored by our very own company, Leah Yard Designs. Leah Yard Designs is a jewelry brand in Vancouver, Canada that specializes in unique semi-precious pieces. The designs are meant to be mixed and matched to celebrate the wearer. We love fashion juxtapositions, which is why you will usually find me in ripped jeans and a ton of gold jewelry. Our goal is to add glamour to every day. Our most popular design is our Zodiac necklace, which was created to celebrate what makes you uniquely you. 5% of all profits in the jewelry collection are donated to the DEWC, a local charity that helps vulnerable women in Vancouver's downtown east side. You can learn more and shop the full collection at www.leayarddesigns.com. That's something I hadn't considered was that concept that losing a job like that or or going through that kind of ending is mm-hmm. like a personal relationship ending and just yeah. the heartbreak and everything yeah. that would it's be. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But what is exciting is when someone has like has that idea that they want to be an entrepreneur and they've been let go from a big company. And it's like, oh, okay. And then we get to go down, which is one of my oh, favorite places to go. That. So And that happens a lot. And it's like, okay, let's explore this. What does it look like? What does it look to get out of? What is it like to get out of that nine to five? So that can be really exciting. Yeah. What is, I'm so curious because that I, I was never a a corporate person. So I'm so curious, what kind of advice do you give somebody who's making that shift? Like from that nine to five corporate world, I'm sure it depends on the person themselves, but but I'd say there's the fear that they won't succeed, but honestly, the financial stress and fears I'd mm-hmm. say are top. Yeah. Because we really live in a society very much wired around a steady paycheck. Yes. It's part of our collective. It's part of the way our structure of a society is set up. It's like you pay your mortgage every two weeks or three month or whatever. Like literally our whole world revolves around this structure. Yeah. So to let that go. I say that walking through the financial part of that is, is huge and being willing, as you know, as an entrepreneur, you really need to be willing to ride the waves of up and down financials. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be really hard for someone who just wants a steady paycheck. And so there has to be a, some level of risk tolerance to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. You have to have it. You can't be completely risk adverse. Yeah. What about money mindset? You guys, do you have to go through all that kind of stuff? I mean, we've yeah. all got our own stories around that. Oh, we that do. And, and I've done so much. I love talking about money mindset because I've done a lot of work around that. I Because everyone goes up, everyone grows up with some weird family money. Oh God, yeah. Mindset. It doesn't grow on trees and, Weirdo and things, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. So I had to really dig deep on, and so I've done a lot of work. I read a lot of money books to this day too, you. because I also notoriously... And this is such a stereotype, but the, you know, creatives just aren't taught that. And when you go to art school, you're not taught how to do your bookkeeping and any of that. Right. So I had to make a lot of mistakes and learn. Um, and now I kind of really enjoy talking about it. Um, so we will talk about the mindset, um, the mindset piece, and then the practical, like, how can we financially make this work? So sometimes we break it down. I kind of like to break it down to, to both, but it can be really freeing when you let yourself go like be willing to step into a place of financial um discomfort mm. and it's a bit of a priority shift I feel like too isn't it yeah when you get, when yeah. You get there absolutely and just learning to be I think also we have such a society built on like never have debt or never carry any debt but when you're a business owner it's a necessary part in certain parts or seasons of the business yeah for when sure. you either start up or certain parts, or it's like, um, you know, like um, I know a lot of artists who who work for do the one of a kind show in Toronto every Christmas, which is huge, right? And so yeah. they spend months preparing and financially investing 
tens of thousands of dollars to get their products done. So a lot of them are living in that deficit space and then they do the show and hopefully everything goes really awesome. So you have to have that ability to sit in that discomfort of living in the deficit or living in that, you know, in the red, so to speak, which I don't think is the best term. So yeah, there's a lot to think about. Now, you don't have to be doing a hugely, um, you can still be an entrepreneur and not take massive financial risk. However, there is always going to be a little, it's not like having a steady paycheck. It's just not, no, it's just not the same thing. So getting used to that and being okay with that, I think is a huge piece. Yeah. And I, I still struggle with that money. Definitely in my yeah. household was not it was not something to be spent. It was not something to, yeah. and, and I come from a family that doesn't really believe in materialistic things. So yeah. me starting a jewelry brand just makes no sense. To, right, so it's know. like, it's, it's out of, a, it's definitely <clears throat> out of alignment with what yeah. you were being brought up with. Yeah. So I think facing those money mindset things and, and just understanding too, because I thought I was good with money because I never spent money. And that's not true. It's so huge that almost <laughs> like right. Yeah, it, it, it's um yeah. Then it's it's the um the thrifting kind of mentality. Yes, is really really well. You can't be a thrifter and live an expansive life. No, and and, and I and the value part, right? Like you have to learn where you have to learn to spend money smartly. Yes, which I didn't know. I just knew not and, to spend it. And where it brings you joy, like what yes. brings you into alignment, like it's so different for everybody else. So, um, I know my mom had weird hangups about spending money on certain things and like fancy, like skincare, right? Because she thought it would be like, you know. Now I will tell you, I truly value good skincare, and everyone who knows me like knows that I like, it makes me feel really good. It's, but I don't spend money. I would never go to a live concert and spend $600 on a, con a Rihanna concert. It's like, it's not of interest to me. So yep. everyone has their things. So I yes. think really aligned spending really means spending it on things that bring you joy or investing in yourself. So investing in your own business, investing in your own personal development, However, I'm never going to be one of those coaches. It makes me feel so sick with that. I was like, you need to spend $10,000 and work with this coach to get any kind of results. No, you, you don't, but potentially it's amazing, but there are so many things you need to still, you need to push yourself out of your comfort zone, but I also think you need to do aligned spending. So that's something I'm just a big, big believer in. Yeah. I, I love that wording too of it, aligned spending, because that yeah. that's so that's that was such a foreign concept to me for so long yeah. and then I yeah ran into trouble because I didn't understand yeah. I, that I wasn't I wasn't investing in the right areas and I was just terrified of money and yeah and that's right? so common it's so common and we feel then we feel guilty for spending mm -hmm. money on certain things that mm -hmm. bring us joy it's like I actually also spent a lot of money on jewelry so I I, yeah. I have a very love like I love my jewelry collection I actually just um partly inspired by your email I did just do my whole clean out of my jewelry last weekend oh, and fabulous. Like, the audit and the organization yeah brings me huge joy it's a part of my, it reflects my personality and I feel really good about it, but I also make sure I don't go into a space of excess in any area of my yeah. life, because that's just the awareness piece. And I think that's so much about what coaching personal development. And I think entrepreneurship bring entrepreneurship brings up awareness because you yeah. really, for a business to be successful, you have to be so aware where your money's going, how you're showing up, where your energy is going. That's yes. huge too. Yes. Totally, totally. Oh, it's all, it all ties together, all these little pieces. And it's, again, it, it ties together in something that is so wonderful. And entrepreneurship for me, I'm, I'm not a born entrepreneur. And it's just the last thing I ever thought I would do, but I cannot I imagine not doing it now. I know. You know? And that's what's so like your story. It's like, that's what's so exciting about it because it's this again this idea that you had to be born an entrepreneur to be an entrepreneur. Oh, it's like no, that's way. a programming that we've just kind yep. of like picked up on. And um, you know, if you're willing to make that shift and do the and do the, the mindset work and go like if you really want to create something again, going back to that, then definitely go and be an entrepreneur. Just do it. The world is waiting for what you can make. I love that. And we're so, we're so adaptable and we, we yeah, often yeah. don't give ourselves that permission yes. to, to grow. And we just, yeah, like you said, that born entrepreneur thing, that's such BS. Yeah, and I totally. hate when I hear that because 
I wasn't that. And I've met a lot of people who weren't that. But then it also takes away the amount of effort you put in to gain these skills that you need to build a business yeah. or build a brand and mm-hmm. it takes so much work. And again, yeah. when you hear people say like, oh, I was just, I was born to do it kind of thing. It's like, well, yeah. it, I don't know. I, I think it, it's, it kind of devalues how much work that you put into doing it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Like, and I think whether you're born to do it or not, you can still make the path happen. So I feel like in many ways I was born to be a designer. It was like kind of the, the, the car, it was in the cards, so to speak. Cause I was, I look at my sticker album that I made when I was eight years old. I still have it. And it's so perfectly curated. It's so graphic designer looking. I can't I believe love it. it. So, but at the same time, I know tons of people who hadn't, were not born designers and yeah. ended up having incredible careers. They're part, they're better. Many of them are better designers than me for sure that they decided they were very passionate about and we're going to do it. So does it matter that they weren't born that way or that they thought they were, they were just more, they had a natural inclination to something else, but they decided to go that direction. No, but they probably had some tenacity and we're going to make it work. I love that. That's yeah. amazing. I feel like working with you must be so refreshing because you're able to see all these different sides. So maybe if somebody is lacking in uh, maybe the money management side, mm-hmm. then you'd be able yeah. to kind of focus on that. Yeah. Um, what is it like to work with you? Like, can you give mm-hmm. just sort of an overview of sort of That's how it question. works? And yeah, yeah. I, know, I didn't, that was a curveball one. <laughs> no, no, it was good. I love it. No, because so I always say, I don't want the coaching sessions to ever feel like you're showing up to another meeting or another boring Zoom or something that you have to stress about. So they're very conversational. I always bring humor to the table. They just, it's like a conversation like we're having. Um, we should, I usually work with people one-on-one when we do six sessions. I find that's a good arc to kind of get somewhere. And interestingly, usually by the third session, people start to get a little uncomfortable because they're like actually doing the work. So that's like the normal, you know, there's like a, when every movie has like an arc, well, that's kind of the arc to coaching. So I always find that fascinating. Um, yeah. And it's like, it really is a great coach knows how to write the, ask the right questions because Mm -hmm. we really don't give advice unless I'm doing, sometimes I'm doing specifically consulting with someone. It's like, okay, I need, we need to figure out a plan. And then I kind of change hats and I'm very um, deliberate when I do that. But when, a, when you're coaching was when you're working with a coach, they really are not giving you advice. It's for you to figure out. And it's, but the questions will make you look at things totally differently. And a great coach can see the blind spots and lead you to where they are. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that. That's so interesting. That arc that you talked about, just that pattern yeah. Yeah. and then knowing, you know, it's building that trust. So then if mm-hmm. someone's working with you, they know that you're going to be there on the other side, yeah. on the yeah. other side of that yeah. arc. Like, yes, I, I call it. Yes, I call it. Sit in the cringe. You have to sit in the cringe. <laughs> so you have to sit there and be uncomfortable for a little bit. Um, I mean, the best thing about a coach too that I th- think is so helpful when you're in that cringe is like there's no judgment. Mm-hmm. So our friends, like if we go back to what some of the bad advice I got was like anytime I listen to friends and family, that was often not helpful unless they were a very successful entrepreneur or had been down my path. Um, because there is a project, they have an agenda. They, Mm -hmm. they have their own issues. They're trying to protect you. They have their fears, but you know, a coach is really trained to be completely non-judgmental. And I mean this in the nicest way. I really don't care what people do with their choices and their life and their career. I just want them to make an authentic, aligned decision that brings them joy and is actually what they want. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's really beautiful. And that's such a, a lovely way to celebrate somebody's own mm-hmm. personal yes. decision-making, right? Yes. Because it, I think so often we're looking for someone else to tell us what to no, do, but I will not, yeah, not, not happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's not happening for me. I will sometimes say, you know, here's some ideas of what other people have done and let's talk yeah. about them. But if there's the other thing I love to tell people is like, if something I say doesn't resonate for whatever reason, please toss it in the garbage or recycle it, whatever you'd like to do. Just don't take it on. I love that. Are there common times when you think it's a good idea for somebody to get a coach? Because I'm asked that a lot of the time um, just by other entrepreneurs, like they're not sure they're maybe feeling stuck. Is there sort of guidance around that? Like, when do you get a coach? Yeah, that's a, that's also a really good question. I feel like when you're really feeling that stuckness and you have kind of tried different avenues and you're not really making progress the ways that you've been doing it, 
Um, I think you do have to research who might be the right coach for you. And really yeah. you have to have a connection to the person. So that makes a huge difference. Um, and you need to be willing to commit consistently to showing up and doing like the sessions often every two weeks is really helpful just in terms of consistency, but you know, consistency, how helpful it is in a business. It's the same yeah. with your life. So you need to give it some time and energy. So if something really chaotic is going on in your life, probably not the best time because you need to be able to focus and, you know, do some of the homework and do all of that stuff. Yeah. Amazing. So, um, if somebody wants to work with you, where can they find you and hunt yes. you down and hire you? And <laughs> they can hunt me down pretty easily. My name, so I'm, uh, my name is my website. So alanarosa.com and I'm usually on Instagram the most, which is at Alana Rosso. And I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit too, because I'm in that career space. So I am pretty active on LinkedIn, which I know, um, it's interesting Gen Z's and millennials don't love LinkedIn. I have to talk them into it sometimes, but um, it's a good platform sometimes for certain things. So that's where you can find me. That's so, that's so funny. You said that because it yeah. was literally last <laughs> week that I reopened, I'll say yeah, my, my yeah. LinkedIn. And I find it hard because I just find it incredibly humbling. I mean, this is a, a platform, you know, Instagram, I can fake it a little more and put up pretty mm -hmm. pictures, but LinkedIn, it's just very black and white. And I, I do find it very intimidating. So yes, I'm in that same camp. That. I'm on it and I'm doing it. But yeah, it's not my favorite place to hang out. And and it, and and I get that. And, and and to be honest, it's not depending on what you do, it might not be the best platform. Like it's so for everybody, it is different. So I would never say that's another thing I would say is there's no rules as to what platforms you need to show up on. There's no rules for anything is what I've just decided. There's just no rules. I love that. That's my favorite quote of the day. <laughs> I love it. Well, Alana, thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing your wisdom and for being vulnerable. And, uh, you know, even the way you show up online, I all your Instagram stuff, you're always showing up with just your heart on your sleeve and in a very vulnerable way. And I, I love it. And um, yeah, very much appreciate you and all that you're doing. Thank you, Leah. I really appreciate it. It's been just an incredible chat today. Thank you so much for being here. I really hope this episode gave you a boost of encouragement to follow your own path, even if it's a little unruly or has a few more weeds than you expected. I would love if you could share this with somebody important to you. We never know who needs a boost. If you'd like to learn more, you can find me at www.leayard.com. And if you want to see a little more behind the scenes, you can connect with me on Instagram at leayard. And now I will leave you with this. We all have more in common than we do not. Be kind when you can. Judge less, less often, and never, ever underestimate your own potential. I'll see you next week.